Bridging the Gap, part one and part two. Uh, what we covered was part one, we talked about the biggest anchor of that message was there are two crossings for a man or a woman of God to make in their life spiritually, two main crossings. The first crossing is the most obvious one. It's the one from, uh, from sin into salvation. And obviously, Jesus Christ himself is the bridge that bridges that gap. Who believes that? And so obviously, that's the most important uh, crossing or uh, a, a gap that, that people have to cross over uh, to have eternal life. But apart from that, there is a second crossing that, that God has for people, and that's for them to make a crossing from the wilderness into the promised land. And even though uh, Jesus saves us, uh, we can be someone who is saved, but yet walks around in the wilderness for years until we die. And God wants to encourage us that there's always more that he has for us, and he's always wanting to take us into the promises of God. And so we talked about those two key crossings. Um, we talked about that there are key moments in life that require us to break from old ways of thinking and to step into a new normal. And so we've been talking about that there's this new normal. And the new normal is the promised land. The old normal is the wilderness. And if you've been looking at your life recently thinking, my normal is just kind of going around and around and nothing really seems to break through. Well, this word, this teaching series is to encourage us that God has something more for us and that there is a new normal. Um, Leaving the relative comfort of the well-trodden track of the wilderness and helping us to take new territory and going in because God calls us, this is really the anchor point of part one, God calls us to be promised possessors and not wilderness wanderers. Who believes that? Good. Now, we talked last week, part two, where this went into is we talked about that um, there was a difference between the people when they, the the, the, uh, nation of Israel picked 12 men, uh, their best from each tribe, Uh, So it was kind of like, you know, how you'd pick the All Blacks in New Zealand, right? You pick the best of the bunch. These weren't uh, kind of wimpy guys. They were warriors. But they picked their 12 best to go into into the the promised land to spy it out and to bring back a report. And we heard that the Bible teaches that two of the 10 gave a positive report. The rest of them, the remaining 10 out of the 12, gave a negative report. And it talked about that there was the, the, the two who actually gave a positive report they were the ones that went into the promises of God and took the people of God into the promises of God. The 10 who actually gave a negative report were not successful in going into the promised land. In fact, they died that day. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ah. They died that day. And we talked about uh, that Caleb, the Bible says, Caleb, who was one of the two, uh, had a different spirit. He had a spirit on him. And uh, the word that in Hebrew was a kur. And that's, that word means next or following. So he had a, a next spirit. He had a following spirit. And what that meant was we talked about that uh, there are different areas that we can focus in on life. We can look at our past and who knows that everyone has pain in their past. We talked about that. Who knows that the second area that we can kind of fix out our life art is in our present. And who knows that we have problems in our present. And uh, then the third area is the promises. And who knows that we're called to possess the promises. And so when it said that there was something different on Caleb, then in fact the key for him, not only giving a positive report, but the key for him and the people following him and Joshua into the promised land is there was something different on Caleb. There was a different spirit on Caleb. And the word different in the Hebrew actually means next or following, which means that rather than focusing on what was in the past and the pain of the past, rather than focusing on the problems of the present, he was focusing on the next. There was something about the spirit of Caleb that fixated and got excited about the next thing, the following thing that God wanted to bring him and the people of God into. And so what we talked about as we ended part two is that there was something different about Caleb. And so this morning, I want to encourage us about how can we get, how can we get this type of spirit operating in our life? How can we get this next following spirit? How can we move into that spirit? How can we get that spirit upon our lives? One other thing that I shared that was a personal thing um, last week was that 
um, a lot of people know uh, when I talk about promises of God and moving forward and breaking through, I tend to get really, really passionate about these topics in church. You notice that there's a kind of like an edge to my preaching when I have, you know, these types of topics, right? Now, I love all different types of topics, but there's something about even the book of Joshua that just really gets me going. I love the book of Joshua. I love reading about the, what was it about the people of God shifting out of the wilderness into the promised land, and it just switches me on spiritually. There's something about it that I find so spiritually attractive. And as I was preparing part two last week, I shared on the Sunday after my time of preparation that the Lord kind of shook me a little bit. And he said, you know, Brad, uh, the reason why you love the book of Joshua and the reason why you love to preach these messages at Forever House is because you're called to it. And I went, well, I didn't get it. I said, what do you mean, God, I'm called to it? Yeah, I know I'm called to lead Forever House. That's, that's not a new revelation, God. Um, I've been doing it for a while now. What do you mean? He goes, no, Brad, you're not listening to me. You're called to it. You're called to do it. And I'm like, God, I don't get what, what's, what's the point here. And he said, Bradford, you're called to it. And he just kept saying my full name. See, most people know me as Brad, Pastor Brad. Uh, but my first full name, actually, what I was christened as, and my name is Bradford. And he just kept saying, Bradford, Bradford, Bradford. And I, I'm like, and he goes, Bradford. And so again, I was reminded that Bradford, what does the name Bradford actually mean? Well, Brad actually means broad. And a ford is a part of a river that if a military or a group of people want to safely cross over a river, they want to cross from one side to the other side, and they don't want to go over areas that are difficult or areas that are treacherous, but they want to find the safest part of the river to cross. It's called the ford. And so uh, what I was sharing last week is I believe that even though the first crossing, which is obviously from sin into salvation, the Bible says that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, he's the only way. It's a narrow crossing. Who knows that? It's a narrow path to heaven, says the Bible. It says that not everyone's going to cross over and make that crossing and, uh, and that it's a narrow path. It's a narrow crossing. But I believe that God's saying that when you make that first crossing, that he wants every Christian, he wants every person who's saved by the name of Jesus to make the second crossing, that he's called all of you to cross from the wilderness into the land of promise. And he's saying that it's a broad crossing. And for this house, he was saying that you your pastor, Bradford, it's a broad, safe crossing, that there's an anointing on this house, there's a, there's a place here, it's a safe place, it's a place to learn how to safely cross from the wilderness into the promised land, and I felt like God wanted to release that word last Sunday, because even though at times in this house, we're very encouraging, we're very nurturing, but we believe that Christians are not supposed to spend the permanent time of planet earth in the hospital, in the spiritual hospital. Who believes that? And so we know there's one crossing from sin into salvation, and that requires we need to feed them milk, and that requires we need to love them and encourage them and nurture them, and sometimes they're going to trip up like a little baby learning how to crawl or walk, and then we're going to get them back up, and we're going to put ointment on their knees, and we're going to keep encouraging them, and we're going to spiritually parent them, and we're going to help them to cement and make sure that that first crossing is safe and it's secure, that they don't get lured back into the old life, but that Jesus becomes their rock of salvation, and we get that their faith becomes solidified, we want to see them planted in the house of God. The first crossing is absolutely important to this house. But I felt like God was saying in a new way, in a fresh way, this house has anointing not just for one crossing, but for the second crossing. And I felt like God was saying, sometimes some of you have felt a little bit challenged. Sometimes, in fact, some of you have felt quite uncomfortable with the preaching or the teaching because there's anointing on it to actually shake you a little bit in a good way to say, hey, you're not destined to stay in the wilderness. You're destined to cross over but it's going to take something big of you on the inside. It's going to take something of you to receive the word of God that will challenge you to get out of your comfort zone to be able to walk into the promised land. Everyone say it's a safe place. This is a safe place. It may not be a comfortable place all the time, amen? But it's a safe place. It's okay to be challenged. And so part three, part three, How important is it for us 
to get that spirit that enables us not to fixate on the pain of the past, not to fixate on the problems of the present, but gets us majority of the time. Now, catch me, sometimes you have to think about those things because fires or crises or issues come up, but God's saying the spirit on you is to fixate the majority of your focus. What's your identity defined by? Is it defined by your past? Is it defined by the problems of the present? No, it's defined by the fact that God is calling you to possess your promises. That's the spirit, the Caleb spirit, the next spirit, the following spirit that we want to work out today as we finish this. And I believe that God wants you and I to get a spirit that is not defined by yesterday's pain or defined by today's problems. You are not your past. You are not your problems. You are, you are bigger. You are bigger than that. And God is bigger than that. The God that you worship is the God of almighty power and grace. And if you believe God is in you, why don't you just take a, a time just to praise Him right now? Come on. Let's just praise God. All right, so let's shift gears now. So Caleb didn't have a home in his heart. He didn't have Caleb. What was different? Everyone say different. Caleb didn't have a home in his heart that came from the slavery that he had endured for years. That's not where his home was. He didn't live in the past. Somehow Caleb, catch this now, somehow Caleb moved his spirit beyond his past, moved his spirit beyond his present. See, if you can't move your perspective, if you can't move your perspective in the spirit, how can you move your perspective in the natural? Think about it. For you to shift from past, present issues into the promises in the natural, for you to be actually able to see promises of God manifest in your life, you have to first move your spirit. Come on now. There's a principle of God. It's called the principle of vision. He's a God of vision. He's a God of dreams. There's always two visions. You've got to first see it in the invisible, and then you see it in the visible. Come on now. And so how can you expect to shift out of a place in your life where you feel you're in the wilderness into the promises if you not, haven't moved your spirit there yet? See, where your spirit lives is where your life will manifest. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. That the issues of, 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 of the heart will flow into your life. Come on now. And so my, my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, my shake to you is some of you have your spirit, your heart, that's living in the wrong place. It's living in the past or it's being drowned in the present and the promises. You've got to move your spirit into the future. You've got to move your spirit towards the promises of God in the invisible world first, in the spiritual world first. It was that Caleb was even in slavery and he dreamed of not being there. He dreamed of the future. Even when he was in the wilderness on the borderline, when he went in and he came back, he said, it's great. We can take it and we will. He had that next, that following spirit. He'd already moved his spirit, his expectation, his faith was already walking into the promised land before he'd actually made that physical shift. And that's why God said, there's something different about this man. And God said, this is the reason why. This is the reason why Caleb and the people following him with Joshua will transition into the promised land. Because he had a different spirit. You know, even as I'm speaking right now, I want to encourage some of you. Some of you have had this spirit upon your life, but just for moments. And the past and the problems of the present have wrestled that spirit from within your permanent grasp. God's saying, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? Is the excitement and the anticipation of the promises of God enough? What is it going to take? So somehow Caleb moved his spirit beyond his past and his present. Caleb found a way. And I know for everyone in this room that God wants you to find a way. For everyone in this room, God wants you to find a way to move your spirit, to have a next following spirit. So it's not shaped by your past experiences. So it's not 
you know, what happened to you. God's saying, there's a spirit upon your life that has to help you and enable you. So what's happened to you in your life will not continue to degrade you, will not continue to define you, will not continue to derail you, will not continue to deter you, will not continue to defer you. God's saying you're to find a way. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at this way. Who wants to know the way? <laughs> so he has a next spirit. So how do you move your spirit? How do you get this next following anchor in your spirit? How do you become one of the two of the minority? How do you become the two out of the ten? How do you stop being the 10 out of the 12 and become the 2 out of the 12? How do, how do you create a new normal with your focus? That the promises in the future is that anticipation, that expectation, that desire to move. How do you make that your new normal? So what happened in to the 10? Let's have a look at this. I'm going to get a little bit of keys here. First of all, I'm going to just go to the scripture that we've been referring to. Where are my notes here? Good. Numbers 14.24. Numbers 14.24. But my servant Caleb, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Massive keys in here. Let me read that again. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. First of all, it says where he went. Where he went. Where he saw it. Where he looked at it. Where he thought about it. Where he sussed it out. He spied it out. If you're going to spy on something, do you have to kind of look at it intently? Come on now. Right? It's not just a little, ah, look over. I mean, Sarah knows if I'm looking for my socks, I'm not looking intently. Do I have any men in the house saying amen? Do I have any women in the house saying change? (laughs) A man in the back. That was passionate, Roy. I love it. (laughs) Do you think I need a next sock spirit? Right? I'm going to look for the next socks. Right? Find it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not going to get distracted by this silly point. Let's move on. He spied out the land. (laughs) he spied it out he went there how many of you are actually spending time spying out your promised land doesn't necessarily mean physically but in your time of dreaming in your time of thinking in your time of strategizing in your time of planning in your time just spending with the Lord have you been there Have you spent time there? Have you taken something back from that place of dreaming and strategizing and thinking? See, he'd already been there. We know that that was a key. In a minute, we're going to look at some other keys. But there's a couple of notes here I want to spend a bit more time on. So what happened to the 10? So they came back. So let's, we're going to get there in a minute. I'm just whipping your appetite on purpose. I'm slightly... You know, doing this for a reason. So we're going to look at the two in a second. What's the key to having that different spirit? But let's go, first of all, what happened to the ten? So they came back and they gave a different report. They start saying we should pick a new leader who will take us back to Egypt. And this is interesting. So the ten that came back who were negative, everyone say negative. Who because of that negative spirit... Because they were focusing here and here and they didn't want to pay enough attention here when they were giving a report about where God wanted to take them. Not only did they 
uh, did their life end pretty quickly. But what's interesting is what they said after they gave the report. They actually said, you know what we need to do? We're so frustrated with the fact that we don't think we can go there. And we're so annoyed with the current wilderness problems. So what we think we should do is we need to get a new leader. And we need to get that leader to take us back to Egypt. Everyone say, oh. So they're on the edge of the greatest day of their life. And yet what they want to do is they want to blame their leader. Oh. See, this is what happens when you're a wilderness Christian for too long. Everyone put your seatbelt on. We're going to have some challenging times here ahead. When you're a wilderness Christian for too long, what you start to fall into is you like to criticize all the people around you who are supposed to help you, but you don't take responsibility for your part of it. And you love to start criticizing your leaders. In fact, you want to crit- you criticize, you get so cynical of them that you just think, you know what, maybe I need a new leader and, and we need to just go back to the glory days. So the wilderness actually gets so annoying sometimes that people want to go back to their past. And so what I'm trying to say is, in a minute we're going to look at the difference. What was the key for Caleb had the difference for it? But a great way to learn what to do is also learn what not to do. See, one of the keys that stopped these people from ending the promised land is that, that they got not only disgruntled about thinking that they couldn't take their promises, they started getting cynical about their leader, that he was the main reason why they couldn't. They needed a new leader. And anyway, forget it. Anyway, we just need to go back to the glory days. What happens is the opposite spirit, the non-Caleb spirit, actually feels so uncomfortable with the idea of the promises of God. They feel so uncomfortable because they know it's actually going to force them to look at themselves. It's actually going to force them to have to change some stuff inside. It's actually going to expose some things, some habits, some choices, some wrong mindsets, some self-pity parties... It's going to expose this thing for them to rip those things off their life, for them to shed the stuff that's held them back, for them to go into the promised land. They're actually going to have to be exposed to themselves. And sometimes that's too uncomfortable. And so they'd rather not even go there. And they'd rather go back to the past. Everyone take your seatbelt off. The wilderness spirit, the opposite spirit to Caleb, the wilderness spirit will dream of the past because it's frustrated with the present and it's grown cynical of the future. Let me read that again. The wilderness spirit will dream of the past because it's frustrated and it's been frustrated for too long. Who knows that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. It's so frustrated with the present and, it's, and because it's so frustrated with the present and it's growing cynical of the future, it starts to dream about the past. And they don't really want to go into the promises because they believe the cost of getting out of their comfort zone is going to be too great. See, there's a price to pay. You have to pay a price to go into the promises of God. You have to pay a price to... Uh, to make the first crossing. You have to kind of say no to some things. And, but the good thing is we talked about last week, Jesus actually says, come as you are. But as he starts to work with you in salvation, you have to, you know, things fall off and, and you're saying yes to God and you're saying no to the things that entrapped you in sin. But the same principle applies to the next crossing. And what I said in part one is there are going to be some spheres of your life right now where you've actually made the second crossing. You could probably think about there are areas of your life, spheres of your life, categories of your life where you've made the second crossing. And maybe there are spheres of your life that you've only made the first crossing. My encouragement to you is this. 
Look for the cues and clues of criticism. The more you criticize the others around you, whoever it is, whatever sphere of life it is, that's a sign that your frustration with the present is getting strong. But rather than taking responsibility, you're starting to get cynical because you're wanting to blame other people. And there's something within you that isn't feeling comfortable about actually self-evaluating. What's that scripture that talks about the splinter in the eye versus the big piece of wood? What's that scripture about? Come on now, someone tell me. Talks about judgment, yeah. But what does it encourage us to do? To look where first? At ourselves. At ourselves. Right? I can tell you in a marriage, the biggest brick wall will be when the wife is blaming the husband, the husband's blaming the wife. The key to breaking down that wall and stepping into a new place is when the wife actually starts to look at herself and takes responsibility for what she probably isn't bringing to the table. And the husband needs to take responsibility for what he's not doing. When both of those people start to take responsibility and start focusing on the splinter in their partner's eye and start looking in the log in their own eye, that's when breakthrough starts to happen. That same is true as in any area of your life. I've sometimes seen the most positive people in the areas of their life when they're stuck in the wilderness can be some of the most cynical and critical because they've got into a habit of blaming other people because they feel too afraid to actually own it. One of the biggest keys to breaking through is you've got to own your attitude. You've got to discern what type of spirit do I have? What type of attitude do I have in my heart about this sphere of my life? Come on now, I want you to think about the wilderness spheres in your life, the areas that you haven't broken into the promises of God yet. And I want you to think about that sphere. And I want you to think, what do you need to do? Do you need to move your spirit? Another word for spirit is your attitude. Do you need to move your attitude? Do you have a wilderness attitude? And that's why you're stuck in the wilderness. It's time now to shift your spirit into the promises. Can I tell you, if you've got some, some frustration somewhere, it, you've got to start to speak it in a way that says, I'm going into my promised land. I'm going to actually step up here. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm making the shift. Who believes that? So a little bit more revelation when we talk about these different words, part one and part two, when we, when we looked at a certain part of, of Scripture, and that was in Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, everyone say different, we know that the word in Hebrew was spelled A-C-H-E-R, Akah, or Akah is usually how they pronounced it, Akah. Sounds like a bird calling, doesn't it? A car, a car. <laughs> to me, it sounds like a bird calling. And so in the, in the word Hebrew, the word a car means different. So when you read this in the Hebrew, but my servant Caleb, because he has an a car spirit in him, because he has an a car spirit in him, that word, which is spelled, I want you to write this down, A-C-H-E-R, that word means next or following. But get this. Because he has a different spirit in him, and there's another ingredient though. It's not just because he has a different spirit in him. It's not just because he has a next spirit. It's not just because he has a following spirit. Because he has a different spirit in him, and, everyone say and. And, and has followed me fully. And has followed me fully. And has followed me fully. Now, when you look in the Hebrew, where it says, follow me. Right there, the second ingredient, because he had an Akar spirit and because he followed me. The word follow me is very similar to A-C-H-E-R. It's spelled A-C-H-A-R, Akar. And that means to follow me, ironically. But the words are very similar. And so it's saying that for Caleb, the difference was that he had a spirit that was focused on the next. It was focused on the following because he was following the God of promises. Because he was wholeheartedly focusing God. 
So another way of saying that is in when we don't wholeheartedly follow God, a sign of actually not really fully following God, not really being a person of faith, is that we spend so much time talking about the past. In fact, when it says that to please God, you have to be a person of faith. It's faith that pleases God. It's faith to follow wholeheartedly after the God of promises. That the spirit of Caleb was fixated on the next, on the following, because he followed wholeheartedly the God of promises who was over here. Saying, come. See, God doesn't live in your past. He is with you in your present, but he actually doesn't dream about your present either. That's why he says to you, your iniquities of the past, I have forgotten. You worship a God who, yes, will be with you wherever you go, but he's not a God who lives in your present. He doesn't make your present his home. He makes your future his home. And that's why you have to move your spirit from the past, from the, the present, into the future, because that's where God's home is in the future. His home. He loves and dreams about your future. Because he has a spirit in him, a different spirit in him, and next following spirit, and has followed me fully. Followed me fully. Not half-heartedly. Oh, can I tell you, there are going to be moments when you feel like you're drowning in your current problems. There are going to be moments when you're tempted to keep thinking and chewing on your past. But I want to say this to you. If you do that for too long, I'm going to get a bit of good attitude right now. I feel like waving my finger. But I won't. If you do that for too long, it is a sign that you're actually not wholeheartedly following God. Because when you spend time with God, come on now, when you spend time with God, it is in complete opposition to his word for him to keep talking to you about your past. It is in complete opposition to his word for him to keep you swimming in and worrying all about your problems. Now, every time you spend time with God, his word, he is always talking to you about the promises and the strategies and the ways that he's going to take you. He's saying, come forth. He's saying, be strong, be courageous, for do you not know what I have before you? Come on, step out of the boat. It's a, it's a time and a season of faith. Come on now. I'm saying to you, church, that this is a season where everything in this word is before you. And yet God says, I need you to take it. And to walk forth. Part one, we said in the wilderness, a lot of Christians love the wilderness because God does everything for you. Manna falls from heaven. Mm, I'm hungry. God, bring it. Oh, there it is, my miracle. Mm. Mm, I love it. As soon as they went into the promised land, the manna stopped falling. As soon as they went into the promised land, because God knew God knew that he had to get them to stop being babies. Mama, where's my milk? I need my milk. Feed me. And then when our kids grow up, what do we start to do? Hey, you know what? There's the kitchen. I know it's a foreign land, so you very rarely visit. You keep reaping from that land, but you never go there. Um, so in that, in that foreign land called the kitchen, uh, there's a thing called a fridge. When you open it, there's some food in there uh, that uh, is supplied for you. Why don't you take a couple of steps outside the living room where the TV is called your best friend and visit this foreign land called the kitchen and make your own lunch. Do you think sometimes God has to 
help us to grow up. Caleb has a different spirit. See, God doesn't live in the past. I, he says, I forgive your sin. I forgive your iniquity. God's not thinking about your past. He is in your present, but his home and your home are in his promises. So he has a different spirit next to following because he follows me, which means a car, which means because he follows me. In Hebrew, the exact same translation in the English, which is quite unusual. So if you want your life to look different than every generation in your family, if you want to go beyond the current circumstances that are holding you back, if you want to find a new normal, if you want to step into what God has got for you, if you want to be part of the two and not part of the ten, the Bible gives us the way. No matter what you're in the middle of, be a worshipper of Almighty God. Worship Him wholeheartedly. Be into Him. Immerse your life into Him. Follow after Him. No longer worship your past. No longer worship the promises of your present. What you focus on continually is actually, practically, really what you worship. See, sometimes it's like, ooh, that puts some worship in the devil. Well, in fact, (laughs) the reality is there are a couple of people on planet Earth who worship the devil. But most of the time, we're worshiping distraction from God which is the scheme and the plan that the devil uses. See, what we're going to understand is the devil actually doesn't really care if you worship him. He actually just cares if you worship God. So if he can get you to worship something else, then he feels like he's hurting God. And that's why we get deceived. When we live in the past and we live in the promises and we don't wholeheartedly focus on God. Everyone just close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for this word so far. Lord, I thank you that you're doing a work. Lord, you've been doing a work last couple of Sundays. But even for those ones who are here for the first time and didn't get part one and part two, Lord, I pray that your anointing is here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here. Lord, I pray. I know, God, you're a God of fruit. And so even in this atmosphere, Lord, I break off distraction. And I pray for people to focus in like it's them having tea and coffee with Jesus himself that this would be like a, just a one-on-one mentoring session. That Jesus may not talk this loudly into the microphone if it was one-on-one, but Lord, we get the analogy. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's just stay focused. You know, when the word says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So in all these things, in life, we face great hardship, but it's fixating our focus on God. And I've got to share this with you. In my own life, I've shared this quite a few times, but it's one example that just absolutely shook my life in a good way. I was at a conference leading up to New Year's Eve um, called Ozfire Conference. This was down in Sydney many years ago. And I can tell you, and I can eyeball you right now with honesty, that at that conference, as I was standing in the presence of God among other believers and hearing the word of God, I was a wilderness Christian in every area of my life. 
I was definitely saved. There was no question about my salvation. I hadn't earned my salvation. I'd come from the slavery of drugs. I'd come from the slavery of depression. I'd come from the slavery of literally my mind just thinking forever I would be a loser, that I was not going to amount to much, that I'd made too many mistakes. So I'd been ripped out of that Egypt of my heart, and I'd been brought into the freedom of Jesus Christ. I had been saved, and I was having such a good time, right? Joy, Jesus, and it was great, loving it. But I knew that, that, that God was calling me to grow up. And that for a season, I'd been lapping up the milk. But God had started to actually say, hey, I want you to start eating the meat. And there was bits that I wanted to chew on and other bits that I didn't want to chew on. And I didn't want to really take responsibility for my world and my life. And, and God was saying, you know, Brad, I've got so much more for you. But I, I need you to change your mindset. I need you to change your thinking. I need you to change how you see yourself. I actually need to shake you a little bit. And I had uh, someone who gave me a prophetic word that says, as you go to this conference, get ready because God is going to really shift gears. And so I went to this conference and I'm having a great time. And there was this message one night and I'll never forget it because it was literally like, and there was like 5,000 people there, but it was literally like the person preaching the message had put the word of God on a spear and it was so sharp. And it was like this preacher man was literally, because I was up the back, He was literally just throwing this word of God like a javelin. And it was just going into my heart. And I'm just there going, not physically, but spiritually. I'm like, whoa, this is me. He's talking to me. God's talking to me. God cares about me. God's mentoring me right now. God's having coffee with me right now. God is trying to get my attention. God is shaking me up. God is saying he's talking to me. He's speaking to me. He's trying to get me to understand that this is actually, he really cares about me. And the message was all about uh, the, the, the table that God was preparing. And oftentimes I've shared this and it talked about, you know, obviously the table that God was preparing is a strong analogy for people, uh, for God preparing for salvation for people. For And he first sent out an invitation. And the first invitation was rejected by people. And so he sent out a wider invitation. So the analogy is the first invitation went to the Israelites the Jews, and then the second invitation went to the Gentiles. And so literally it was an analogy to say that, that Jesus is for everyone. It's not just restricted to the Jewish people, that God was pouring out his spirit and he'd, he'd, uh, Jesus, he'd nailed Jesus to the cross for the reason to reconcile the entire world. And we get that, and I got that, and he was talking, the preacher was talking about that at some level, but he was saying there's more to this. And he said, do you not know? that we can learn something from the first invitation that went out. That yes, the second invitation, catch this now, because it's about the two crossings, people. It's about the two crossings. See, the second invitation went out to everyone, because ultimately the first crossing is salvation. But the first invitation was rejected. But there are certain types of people that the first invitation went out to. And they were people of capacity. The first one was someone who had their own business, who was using the land to actually uh, create income. Whether, whether you th- see that as a business or a career, it doesn't mean it has to be a, But it was a person who had a piece of land and had an ox and was using what they had to create provision for their family. The second person, so whether you want to call that a business system, whether you want to call that a career, whether you want to call that someone that was using what God had given them to be able to create a system to bring finances and income and provision into their family and into their community. The second example was someone that owned land. Someone who just owned land, whether it be a piece of land or a house. And the third one was someone who was married. And this is what God was saying to me, like spears that were so sharp, saying, I've called you into a land of freedom. You've made a first crossing. You've given your life to my son, Jesus Christ, and you are born again, and you are eternally set free, Brad. 
But God was saying, but brother, I have more for you. And brother, I want to raise you up to be a man of capacity. I don't want you to just keep walking around in the wilderness where you're on struggle street and you can't do anything but just pray for your bills to be paid every week. God says, I'm going to call you into promises. And God says, I'm going to be raising you up to be a man who's going to own your own property. And you're going to be a man who's going to step into the promises where you're going to have a business and you're going to have a career that's going to provide for your family, but you're going to bless your community and you're going to raise other people up to do the same thing. And God also said, and I'm so excited about this one, more excited than the others. God says, I'm going to bring a woman into your life and she's going to be your wife and you're going to get married and your children are going to be blessed and you're going to create a generational blessing. And God says, my promises, my promises, my promises come into the promises of me, says God. And it was, now we're sitting in that seat not doing that physically, but I'm just like, whoa, whoa. It was like God had like a spiritual thing in my vein just going. And I can tell you that what was different about me that night when I responded to the altar call was I walked out of that building with a Caleb spirit. And I could feel it. It was like running through my veins. And the next day, as I woke up, it's like I saw things differently. It's like I see the future. I see the potential. I see God's calling me forward. And it was just... That night, my spirit moved. It moved into a place that initially, for a couple of seasons, I felt uncomfortable. It's not me, it's too big, I'm too irresponsible, I'm too much of a loser, even though I was saved. And God said, no, I am with you. I've called you to be strong and courageous. Ask Jason to come. And so God, you know, the promises of God as I said in the part one and part two. That's why I said the last one was more important to me. Can I say to you, it's not, about, it's not all about asset accumulation. It's, it's about that God has an inheritance. Your marriage, your family, children, career, calling, gifting, anointing, ministry, house, land. For all of you, it'll be different. That's okay. Because God will show you your promised land. Your promised land is not going to look exactly like my promised land. But there are going to be some things that corporately we do come into. All of you are called to be activated in your anointing. But your spirit has to move first. Your spirit has to move first. Hearing God say this. I haven't brought you this far to leave you where you are. And so, what I want to make sure happens as we close this service 
and we just do a little bit of business with God in our heart. Is I want to share this with you. Remember the anointing and your spirit and your connection with God. It's not just a one-off moment. It's a continual pursuit of God. Wholeheartedly. Because there's going to be times when you feel the Caleb Spirit is just running through your veins. And there's going to be times when you feel like it's just running out of your ankle and you're running dry. See, when you feel disappointed, then what you crave is dis- distraction. Because when you've been disappointed, you were once appointed. But something happened to get you off track. There's been a setback. There's been an issue. There's been a problem. And you feel disappointed. And when you feel disappointed, in that moment, the temptation is to look somewhere else, to look at the problems to compare it to the past. And so there's going to be times after today, there's going to be many times where you still get disappointed. But that's why you've got to keep focusing on God wholeheartedly. Don't let disappointment come in like a poison. And cause you to take your eyes off God and be distracted. Because the more you get distracted, the more this becomes comfortable and the more this feels like home. And that's the biggest battle to moving your spirit. It's the comfort zone. See, once you move your spirit, as long as you keep focusing on God, as long as you keep spending time with God, as long as you keep hanging out with God, letting God talk to you, letting God speak to you through his word, through his presence, hanging out with God, God will keep fueling you up. It'll be your pit stop. It'll be your place of rest where he will breathe new wind under your wings so you can soar high again. God says wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, Keep looking at me. Keep following after me. And God says, if you do that, then I'll help to keep that Caleb spirit resting upon you. Because God says, I want to see you run. I want to see you run. But God's just unlocking some things right now. He was unlocking some things last week. But he says, he says I'm revealing to everyone what your distraction has been. For the distraction has come from a season where disappointment was sent your way. But God says the disappointment was only but a moment. But the plan was for the distraction to become a season. But God says, I'm stepping in to that plan. And right now in this place, via my anointing, says the Spirit of God, I am pulling you out of that distraction. And I'm reappointing you, says God, because God says now, as I reappoint you, God says, I'm ripping off the veil of distraction. And now you can look at me clearly. And God says, look at me, look at me, Watch me because I'm running forward and I'm taking you with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're releasing, Lord, and you're restoring, Father, Lord, a Caleb spirit in this house. And I thank you, Lord, that you're calling us into your promises and that we are called to be inheritors. And God, we are called to to have a Caleb spirit, to have a next spirit, to have a following spirit. And Lord, we're we're called to also follow after you, the God of promises, the God of possessing our promises, the 
God of the future, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of generations, the God of the father of faith, the God of the yes and yes and yes, and the God of the impossible, and the God of always, and the God of time, and the God of the eternal, and the God of victory, and the God who is above every other God that this whole earth has ever seen. Lord, we declare that you are releasing and you are unlocking our spirit of Caleb. Now I have a word for you guys. You can stay seated. I had a word for you, part one. Here on God saying this. There's a new normal for you. The new normal. It's a great new normal. I don't understand this next bit. So I'll get you guys to talk about it in your own private time. But God's saying this. Give yourself permission to be excited. Just sensing that for some reason there's... Oh, now now I'm getting it. It's got to do with this. Something in the past, individually, before you were together. And it's got something to do with this. But I mean, everyone's got problems, but this is words for you guys. Give yourself permission. You know, we're all excited in different ways. Hey, Rod, you're not as animated as me. It's all good. So I'm not saying you have to be like... <laughs> Life's too short. And uh, there are some things. I actually see a chessboard. And there are some pieces that are in a really good position. That's like the game of life. That's what God's saying. I position you to win God's saying I haven't positioned you to make just the game go long enough for there to be a stalemate I position you to win and I feel like God's saying there's so much of this word that you have to get and run with It's like God is so excited about the future because there's some things up in store that you don't know about, that he's planned, that's going to really tick your box. (laughs) But I hear God saying, I need to get you to look. I need you to look into the future more. So Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, give them permission to dream. Thank you, Lord. I hear God saying he, he's already given you permission. You just got to give it to yourself. So Father, Lord, we activate. I'm going to get you guys just to hold hands. Put your hands towards this amazing couple. Thank you, Lord, for Rod and for Dallas. Lord, for their future. Lord, for everything upon their life. Lord, we declare yes and amen. Father, I pray, Lord, that you're activating a Caleb spirit. And Rod, I see for you, there's a marketplace vision that God wants you to get clear about. And uh, there's been snippets of it, but he wants you to get clearer about it because the more you get clearer about it, God says you're going to be on the same page as me. And God says you're a man of the word, but I want you to learn to wield the word like a weapon. And I hear God say that he's going to give you revelation, the word about what he has for you. And it's going to be a powerful thing. But God says to get clearer about it and that will help you to run forward. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, Lord, for an activation of the Caleb spirit on the inside of them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Is it okay if I just minister to a couple of people? Are we all right? Cool. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Jemima's son, I've forgotten your first name. Drake. I like that name. It's a good name. Can you stand for me? Is that all right? Let's put our hands towards Drake. Thank you, Lord. I just see like God's doing something in your life and you know it and you feel it but you're not exactly sure where it's going to take you and I hear God saying that he's doing a work within you because he's letting you know that there's been some things of the past that have really tried to shackle you down to just like, I just, I actually, do you know what I do? I, I, I see like a patch of carpet right now. And it's like, you've been previously shackled to this kind of area of the house and you haven't been able to go to any other rooms. And because you haven't been able to go to any other rooms, you don't really know what's in those other rooms. And so all you can see and all you understand is that one territory that God had, ha, well, that, not that God, but that you've been shackled to. But I hear God saying that he's doing a work. And what he's done is he's actually cut off the shackles. But he's saying this, but sometimes you're still hanging out in the room because it's all you've known. And God says, I birth within you a new spirit. God says you are born again. You are saved. You know Jesus to be the Son of God. You've made the first crossing. So the shackles have come off. But God says, I've called you out of this room now. You're not a man of the wilderness. You're a man of the promised land. And God says this house represents a house of many rooms. And God says all the different rooms are going to call you to. God says you're going to walk into those rooms, which is like an example of different territory, different spheres of your life. And you're going to walk in that room with boldness and courage. And you're going to decree that I am the leader of this land. You're going to take authority of all these areas of your life that have been hindered because you weren't allowed to dream. And God says there's been an atmosphere in your family household that's been there for years. And God says it's affected you, but God says it's no longer going to affect you. And God says from today onwards, I'm breaking off the things of the atmosphere that have tried to tell you that the only thing you can expect in life is what you've experienced. God says, I'm breaking you free of that false expectation, that hindered expectation. And God says, you're going to be a, a man and your family is going to be an amazing family. And there's going to be such breakthrough. And God says this, you're a good looking man. And God says, there's going to be many girls. They're going to be keen on you. And God says, son, stay strong and courageous. And I hear God saying, this is a season for you to start to hang around other men of God. God says, who you hang around is who you become. And they're going to teach you the importance of discipline. They're going to teach you the importance of having fun still, but having discipline. And God says, as you grow with these other men, God says, I've got a woman for you in, already marked out for you in the future. You don't know her yet, says God, but she is going to be such a blessing to you. And also she's going to be a key in bringing restoration to the rest of your extended family. God says she's going to be like an Esther and she's going to have this anointing upon her to bring reconciliation among peoples. But God says also... As you get married, you're going to have children, and there's going to be an amazing thing about your children. I see some of your children are going to have marketplace anointings, and they're going to do very well in the marketplace. And others are going to have ministry anointings, and they're going to be very prominent in ministry. But I hear this. God says, but just focus on me right now. <laughs> focus on me. And God says, as you focus on me, and as you look towards me, and as you get a hold of me, God says, I'm not the God of the killjoy. Even in fact, I'm hearing God say this, right now in your heart, God is rebranding himself in you. As in, he's rebranding, as in, you know how in the marketplace they try to brand something? God says there's been people in your generation that have tried to brand God in your heart as the killjoy God. God says, I'm breaking that brand and I'm bringing a rest restoration. That God says, I am a God of excitement. I'm a God of expectation. I'm the God of power. I'm the God of miracles. So Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, you're activating, Lord, a Caleb's spirit and anointing 
upon this amazing young man. Father, Lord, give him an ability to run forward. Lord, he's breaking free of the past. Lord, even though he's got problems in his present, Father, he's going to look to you to help him to possess the promises in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Awesome, God. All right. We're just going to close here. Just grab your hand. Put it in your heart. We had Pastor Brian Andrews speak at our men's event on Friday. It was our best men's event we've had, and it was such a good, good time. There's one thing he said right at the end, and he said, you know, sometimes we always have to have the big altar calls or the this or that. He said, sometimes God's just saying, go for it. Take the word and do it. Because with a Caleb spirit, your promises will not be possessed because of what you feel. Your promises will not be possessed because you feel good right now. Because you feel the anointing. Because you feel the goosebumps. Because you've heard the word preached and therefore your mind is kind of in that place of positivity and expectation and faith. No, God says that it's not the feeling of faith. It's not the feeling of church. It's not the feeling of the moment. That's the key. The key is being principle-led. It's believing God even when you don't feel like it. It's focusing on God even when you don't feel like it. So with a hand on heart, eyes closed, Lord, we focus on you as we close this teaching series. And we know that you're here with us, God. We know that you're leading us forward and you are the master shepherd, Jesus. You're the perfect shepherd, Jesus. Because you are without blemish. Your character is perfect. You are faithful to the very end. To the very end. And so, God, because of that, we can put our faith and our trust in you. Lord, I thank you that from today we walk out of here, Lord, with a spirit that's been moved. Lord, a Caleb spirit. Lord, where our focus and expectation is on the promises of God. And Lord, as we follow wholeheartedly after you, Lord, we don't have to be perfect, but as we fixate our eyes on you and we spend time with you, Lord, you're going to help us to stay in position. Lord, when disappointment comes, you're going to reappoint us. Lord, when discouragement comes, you're going to re-encourage us. Lord, when deferment comes, you're going to deploy us back where we need to be. So, Lord, we are going to go from this teaching series. We're going to become familiar with your promises. And we're going to focus and move forward. And we're going to take the land that's destined to us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give God one more last little bit of praise. Thank you, Lord.